Welcome to the Wild 7 Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Red. The Nightshade Collective is not with us today. It's just me. Uh, this all came about kind of impromptu. I did not plan on dropping this episode or recording anything about this subject, but how it all came about was if you are one of our um, you know, core subscribers you, and you've listened to the podcast and you've been following us, you know that we've made a film called Debbie and the Devil and you know that the Nightshade Collective, which is April Mendoza, her sister Ashley Mendoza, and their cousin Alexa Mendoza, uh, Alexa Morales, I'm sorry. Uh, they, they, we, we're a team, and we made Debbie and the Devil together, and now we do the podcast together, and it's a, it's, it's a great deal of fun, and really the podcast is to sort of track our development in releasing Debbie and the Devil, this film that we shot, it's all made, it's all, you know, we have a rough cut and we're working on the animation and stuff like that. It's a whole thing. We're really proud of the movie. I'm really proud of the movie. My entire life has been building up to this movie and I am fucking proud of it. I am, I, 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 there's no other way to express how I feel but the fact that I'm very proud of it. It's a horror movie, it's a comedy, it's funny, it's freaky, it's unique. I went down a list of well, you know, one of those stupid BuzzFeed articles, and it was like uh, cliches that horror movies need to stop. And I looked at every single one of them, and we don't do any of them. We are a really cool little company, and we have a cool movie, and this and that, and blah, 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 blah. And ever since we finished Debbie and the Devil, I've been trying to transition this podcast from being a movie review podcast, which, quite frankly, after you've made a movie... That's not terribly interesting to do. And I've, I've said this on the podcast before, it's sort of a conflict of interest in a way because if you've made a movie and, I mean, it doesn't look good, uh, you know, watching the films of your contemporaries and then critiquing them in, in a public fashion, it's, it's not nice. And I'm not here to burn bridges. I'm, I'm not here to kiss anybody's ass, but I'm, I'm just not here to, you know, it doesn't interest me. I think the thing that's interesting about the podcast as it is right now is that we can, again, like track our development. One of the interesting things about doing the podcast, like I remember, um, you know, starting it and, and doing uh, episodes with Alex, who, who, who's been on the podcast and he's a, he's a regular and he's my dear, dear friend. I just hung out with him last night. Great guy. And it was interesting because like while we were doing the podcast, you know, Trump got elected and, and I'm not a big political guy. I don't care. I don't, it's not my thing. I'm, I'm not here to go on some political diatribe though today we might dip into that, but for other reasons, but I just remember, like, I remember, I, I remember one episode, we just wanted to talk about Conan the Barbarian, but at that same time, the immigration thing happened where he, he did the immigration ban. And so we ended up, you know, talking a little bit about that. And it's just interesting as a time capsule. And now that we're sort of done with our feature and we're ready to, you know, take it to the world and present it to everybody... I, I don't know. I just think it would, I do know it, it would be really interesting to sort of track our development. I produced it with April. I mean, April produced it. Um, I helped producing it. I wrote and directed it. But I mean, honestly, like, you know, if you've listened to the last two episodes with the girls who are just uh, a lot of fun, um, we had a lot of fun making the movie. And, and if you listen to April, she produced Debbie and the Devil. She is the producer. She is it. Like, she is a producer. She's a great producer. In fact, I mean, at some point we, we had to talk to some attorneys because, you know, when you make a independent film, very few people tell you that you need an attorney at some point. And so we sort of threw out 
to my father, who's a tailor, and you know we have access to people and stuff like that. I just sort of said, Dad, I, we need an attorney because otherwise we, we might get screwed. And so he found me an attorney, and this attorney hooked me up with another attorney. And so you know, we, we, we I don't want to drop names or anything, but we have an attorney. And when we spoke to the attorney, he asked us, he said, so about paperwork, because usually if you're, you know, two guys in Minnesota just trying to make a movie or whatever, they don't think to sign releases, they don't think for contracts and this and that. Because of the amazing producer skills of April Mendoza, all of our paperwork is in order, so all we have to do is just kind of finish our movie and give it to our attorney and boom, 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 and then we have distribution, and then we could just go on to make the next movie. The whole plan is to cultivate a little bit of an audience with this movie and hopefully they'll want to watch the second movie if they dug the first movie. Some people might hate it. I mean, and that's fine. I'm, I'm a weird type of ice cream. I'm not for everybody. But in this sort of uh, climate, I'm willing to bet that there's a handful of people or hopefully more that are into Debbie and the Devil. And I'm excited to release it. I'm excited. You know, doing the podcast is different. Everything is different right now for me since I finished Debbie and the Devil. Everything. You know, if, if this is your first episode listening to this and you're just listening because you want to hear some idiot talk about the Joker, uh, I'll get into that. And I am that idiot. So uh, strap in. You're, you'll have fun. But the thing that you need to know about me is that for years I've had this tailoring shop in Santa Monica. It's my father's shop. And I always just worked there for nothing. And uh, just knowing that that shop was, gave me access to people of influence so that when I finally made my movie, I would have people to show. And so right now I'm doing really, hold on, let me just adjust my chair. Hold on. Give me one second. Oh, okay, there we go. Um, I'm doing really well. It a weird thing. It, I, I have this weird feeling since I finished Debbie and the Devil where I'm just like, okay. It was the biggest life ambition of mine to make a film and to have a career in, 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 in filmmaking and to have some sort of show business career. And now I kind of have that and it's kind of cool. Like I've made money and it's it's interesting and I'm, I know I'm going to make money with Debbie and the Devil because it's a good movie. But like, you know, I'm in this place where I don't know. I mean, some people, their, their big thing that they look forward to is getting married and then they get married and then they're like, okay, what now? You know, and I'm not saying I don't want to make movies again. But I'll be honest with you, and I was going to go into this later, but I'll go into this now. I mean, there is a part of me that just wants to disappear. You know, not that like I would even be missed at this point because, I mean, nobody knows me. I mean, nobody knows Debbie and the Devil, you know. But there's a huge part of me that has this fantasy of releasing Debbie and the Devil, presenting myself to the world, and then just, bye. And not in some suicidal kill myself way or some alcoholic, I'm just going to or do coke or some weird th thing like that. For me, there was a period a few years ago before I started making Debbie and the Devil. And the way I got managed to get Debbie and the Devil financed was just through freak chance. And everybody says, you know, I once worked with Brian Cranston, the Breaking Bad gentleman. And he even said, uh, you know, it's all luck. Like he, he was giving all of these actors advice. And I'm not an actor. I was just sort of happened to be there on accident as an actor just because i'm lucky uh at this point in my life i can say i'm really lucky and um he said all of this advice and there were, everybody was just kind of eating up what he was saying because he was really nice and so he was a really cool guy and he said but he said but it's luck it's a lot of luck and i can tell you right now at this point in my life i'm very lucky i can look at everything that i've gone through and say wow i was really lucky that being said let's talk about the joker 
the reason this came about, again, I did not plan this out. It's just that the last two episodes that we recorded were great. It was me and the girls. We were doing our thing. I introduced the girls to you guys, the listener. But I noticed the audio levels were off. Like, it sounded way fucking loud, and it was really bumming me out. So today... I drove from Santa Monica to, you know, to Wild 7 Studios at the heart of downtown in Skid Row where the crackheads run around and it's wonderful. Um, and uh, because later I'm meeting with April um, to talk about the trailer because we're going to start cutting the trailer together and we're going to drop that, which is really fucking exciting. So you can really see that, wow, Nasred actually made a movie. And so I was going to, I, I, April is going to, she might just show up right now, but like, um, I had some time, so I was like, let me just figure out the audio levels of this mixer that we have uh, and, and just sort of test it out because it really, I, I want the podcast, I want anything that I create to be of some sort of quality and of some sort of value to whoever is ingesting it. Um, I recently put out a comic book for Debbie and the Devil, which I highly encourage you to go to Nasred.com or DebbieandTheDevil.com and order yourself a copy. It's a comic book and it's an art book and it's, it's cool. Um, and in putting it together, I, knowing that it was the first thing that, that I'm putting my name on that I can sell. Like I've, I've done drawings and paintings and scripts and this and that and blah, 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 blah. But I've never up to that point put out something that I could sell to a consumer. And the Debbie and the Devil comic book was really exciting for all of us here because of the fact that it was the first thing of Debbie and the Devil that we're able to sell, that we're able to be like, here is a product and you can buy it and you can enjoy it and enjoy. And in putting it together, I just kept adding stuff because I realized if somebody is paying for this, I want them to get as much bang for their buck as they can. So I made the drawings really nice. I put in a lot of original concept art that sort of accumulated through the several years of making Debbie and the Devil. And I put it together and it was cool. And so the same goes for the podcast. So it really bummed me out that we shot, we, we recorded this uh, two episodes of the, with, uh, with the Nightshade Collective and it's fun and we're having fun and you get to know them and stuff. But the fucking audio levels are all whack and stuff. And then what's interesting is we did... Um, some uh, sound booth stuff for Debbie and the Devil, like last week. So now I have access to like, you know, these nice sound engineer guys and I might have them come in and look at the mixer and, you know, just make sure everything is nice. Because, I'm you know, ever since the podcast began, it was just me. It's just me, you know, establishing this and doing this. And right now we're at a place where we have a little bit more hands. We have, a, it's a little bit of an army that we have here at Wild 7 Studios, which is fucking awesome. Um, let's talk about Joker. I know I said that before. Let's, let's really, I have thoughts on it. I went and saw it last week. I went and saw it alone. I'm happy I saw it alone. I was supposed to see it with a friend, but then, you know, the, that plan fell through and I just, fuck it. I was like, I, I just want to go see it. So I went and saw it on Friday at 2 a.m. And um, I was pretty like, I, I kept my eyes peeled for anybody that I thought might be an undercover cop just for curiosity's sake. I thought, you know, because I heard they're, they're like planting undercover cops at the screenings, which is great because we don't want a mass shooting, do we? No, we don't. So I went and saw it, and I think I'll begin by talking about the controversy and how I feel about it, and hopefully this will be of some value to you and of some value to society, I guess. Not that I care, but yeah, I guess. I think maybe this would be, I don't know, um, of some importance because I really feel like, you know, just as I was driving over here to the studio and I'm like, 
fuck, I, I think I need to share my thoughts on this. And, you know, the girls aren't here. It's just me. Every once in a while on the podcast, it's just me. And I just sort of vent or, or, or rage or talk or whatever. And that's what I'm doing right now. Okay. I remember, um, you know, right now, it, it, it was a flashpoint last week, the Joker controversy. I don't know if it's still a flashpoint. This society, the media especially, sort of works like that. There are flashpoints. It brightens up. People talk about it, and then people forget about it, and they move on to the next flashpoint. I don't know if people still fucking care about Joker. Okay, um, I don't know if people are, you know, if, if the media is milking whatever stupid conversation point so they could push their content, which is what everybody in the media does. Let's be real about ourselves. Okay, I do it too. Okay, I'm doing it right now. I read a quote from a woman or a person. I don't know if it was a woman or man or, or it could be a man. It could be a woman, whatever. Where she went and saw Joker or he or she went and saw Joker and he or she walked out and they said, it was triggering for me. I have family that went through, that had mental illness and it was triggering for me. I don't go to the movies for that. To which I say, and forgive me if this sounds harsh, but fuck you, this is my podcast. I can say whatever I want. I don't care about this cultural climate where people police other people's speech. Fuck off. What if you have no choice, you cunt? What if you actually went through something that, like, that was very similar to what you saw in that movie? Which I have no problem saying 10 years ago, I went through worse, worse than, than what you saw in Joker. I can't say that I went through such, uh, you know, horrific child abuse that he went through when he was a kid, even though I, you know, my parents were pretty hard on me. But I can say that, you know, in the time period that you see Joker in that time span that you see that character and his downward spiral, I went through worse. And I loved the movie because of the fact that I felt like my pain that I've had for 10 years, that I felt like nobody understood. Nobody got it. I felt like I was finally, somebody like me was seen by this retarded society. And I, I apologize if that term offends you, but fuck you, I'll say whatever I want. I loved it. Not because of it was a comic book movie, not because of, it was because I felt somebody like me, I was seen. The shit that I went through 10 years ago, some of it, if I told you, it would make the fucking hair just on the back of your neck just run away, rip out of your skin and just leave. Joker didn't go to the Twin Towers to a correctional facility for three weeks and had to figure out some way to survive there. You know, he didn't get fucking, you know, stitches on his chin there and choked by guards. And when he got out, he didn't come out 10 times crazier and got jumped to the point of amnesia. That film felt my pain and I loved it for that. And I got to be honest with you, you know, the films of Todd Phillips, I don't think I've ever seen a Todd Phillips movie before this. Oh, no, actually, I correct myself. I have. I saw his NYU film about Gigi Allen, which I really admire the guy for making that disgusting film. But, you know, I admire the guy for that. And that's what always sort of made me know that, no, Todd Phillips is not. You know, it's, he's one of those people, he's one of those directors that it's very fashionable to hate, especially when he was doing the Hangover movies, because I guess people don't, certain people don't like those and other people do or whatever. And people like to beat up on him or whatever. But 
the thing that I always knew about him was that that was his first film, so he he does have some substance. He's not just a, a total idiot and stuff. And as far as his comedies, I never saw any of them. They never interested me. When I see a movie, for especially in the past 10 years, and I see, quote, normal people in them, they're fucking Martians to me. I don't get them. The shit that I went through 10 years ago to become Mr. Red is was worse than what you saw in Joker. It was. I have no problem saying that. I can, you know, sit down with you and just detail every horrific thing that I went through. But it was worse. And for those of you that don't know, I mean, I just my 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 brain just exploded. It was it, it, there was a point. I mean, even there was shit in that movie, man, that he does that I recognize. And here's the thing. The thing that people are freaked out about is that like, what if people identify with it? Well, why not? I mean, people that have gone through anything mentally, they are the most marginalized fucking people on this planet. Like, like it's, you're, you're not even treated human. And the Malibu people can can right now be like, oh, let's fight this stigma. Let's, let's, let's uh, suck my dick, okay? I know the Malibu people. I work at that tailoring shop. I know the Malibu people. If you're sitting behind a fucking sewing machine, I don't care how liberal they say they are, what issues they're into or blah, 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 blah. If you're sitting behind a sewing machine, most of the Malibu people don't even look at you. So I don't care if they don't like Joker. I don't care if they, they, they're trying to fight stigma of mental illness or whatever. Fuck off. Like, seriously, suck my dick. Like, like you guys are so full of shit and you know it, all of you. And I'm not angry. I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of kind of telling it how it is. A Malibu person will go and rail against a right-wing person who I find equally disgusting. But they're pretty much the same. Malibu people are just insulated with money. And if you present a Joker-like personality to them, they freak out. They don't know what the fuck to do. And that's fine because, I mean, I'm of a certain age where I don't want to deal with a Joker-like person. And I think the, the scariest moment in the movie, the, this is probably the most frightening thing I've ever seen in a film. And I've seen a lot of films. That scene where the social worker says... The funding has been cut. You can't get your medication, blah, blah, blah. That's fucking scary. And I'll tell you why. Because my situation landed me in Twin Towers Correctional Facilities for three weeks. And just like Robert De Niro in Heat, I am never going back. It's hell. Arkham Asylum is a fictional comic book thing. Try Twin Towers Correctional Facility. The psych ward. Where there are, there are areas where people are making art on the walls with their shit. That's what I was in for three weeks. And it's weird because like, I mean, I remember very similar to Joker. Like I remember when I dyed my hair, I don't even know why I wanted to dye my hair. It was like three days before I went to jail and I just had this urge. I got to fucking dye my hair red. I don't know why. There were a lot of things that I did 10 years ago that I just, I, I, I don't know why I did it. And I did it, and I'm fine. And, and you know, it was, it was a crazy fucking journey. And the 10 years since, you know, I'm fine now. 
But I can never forget the things that I saw and the things that I experienced and witnessed and stuff in that time. I remember buying this thing of hair dye, locking myself in the bathroom and drawing on myself too, like drawing all these tattoos I wanted to get. And I was transforming. I don't know how else to explain it. I was just sort of transforming. And then two days later, I was running around the neighborhood that the tailoring shop is in saying the worst shit to people. And the cops arrested me for saying something really bad to a woman. And I don't care. I, you know, I was, I was walking down the street. I was walking across the street. And as I was walking across the street, I said, how would you like your vagina to be cut? And I, the thing is, that's bad. But trust me when I say, I said 10 times worse to other people too that same night. So it's not like this was like, like, I, I don't care. I mean, it's not something that I'm, I, I, I'm thankful for it because it opens up this conversation. Because I think at this point in time, this conversation is a conversation that needs to be had. I watch the comic book movies, the Marvel movies in particular, to escape, to, to run away a little bit and, and, and have a ride. But when I watch them, do I, do I uh, identify with Captain America? No. Do I identify with Iron Man? No, I, I don't. I mean, maybe a little bit Spider-Man. I like him because he's like a kid, you know, like he's a good guy. But I, I, I don't get those guys. I mean, I just watch them to escape. Joker, I watched and it's like, wow, that was my life 10 years ago. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. I mean, I, it was, it was, I haven't had an, a, a, a film-going experience like that where, where I f kind of f could fully see myself. I mean, I remember, and maybe you've, if you want to go back, go back and listen to the, to the episode, uh, The Birth of Mr. Red in Twin Towers Correctional Facility. That's where I got the name Nas Red. It's not like I was just running around being like, I'm going to call myself Nas Red. That's a good pen name. No. What happened was I dyed my hair red. I got arrested for saying some crazy shit. I go to Twin Towers for three weeks. The third day, some fucking guy jumps me, like, badly, uh, because I yelled at him. And he did it while my back was turned. It's not like it was a fair fight or anything. He fucking beats me from my cell down the stairs. My chin splits open. My entire fucking face is covered in blood. My clothes are covered in blood. Everything is covered in blood. I'm bloody. I'm red. And all I did... I swear to fucking God on my mother. I put this on my sister's soul. All I did after he's done fucking beating the fuck out of me while my head was turned. And it's interesting because, you know, in The Dark Knight, there's this part where the Joker, like, Batman, like, slams the Joker's head down. And then the Joker says, never start with the head. The victim gets all fuzzy. He can't feel anything. Thankfully, that's what happened. He hit me in the head first, so I didn't feel anything else. So that's good. But he beats me down the stairs and all I did, I swear to fucking God, covered in blood, I get up, I tap my chin with my bloody shirt and I smile. And after that, everybody in jail called me Red. That's how I got the name. If you want to get a cool nickname, go, go to Twin Towers. You'll, you'll, I guarantee you'll find one. You'll get one. might not be great. It might not be cool like Nas Red, but you'll get one. Trust me. You want to do what I did? I don't think you do. I don't think anybody... I, I wouldn't recommend to any kid really following my footsteps because 
because of the fact that I've had this freakish luck. I mean, dude, I could have been to, in Twin Towers for a really long time. A really long time. And I was lucky. I got out. I went to a mental health program because it was required by the court. And I got straight. And I got to be honest with you. If it wasn't for my family, if it wasn't for the fact that I have amazing friends that didn't turn their back on me, I would have ended up worse than the Joker. Worse. Worse, my friend. Worse. And I think the point that the film makes, and it's an important point to make in this society where people like the Joker are ignored and cast aside like garbage, is that if you cut funding for mental health programs and access for people like Arthur Fleck or like Nas Red or like any person, probably a million percent of the fucking world because the world's so fucking crazy and it just wears you down. If you do that, you're going to end up with a lot of jokers and there's nothing you can do about it but just pray that cops are around or something. And we know how much we love cops. So those are my thoughts. I, I, it's as clear as I can be. I love the film. And I'm not even reviewing the film. I'm just sort of telling you how I feel. That that movie was me. And it, but honestly, I mean, that was cute compared to what I went through. It was cute. I, I, I got to admire the film for not making me tear up. You know, because that would have been like a, a manipulation thing or something. It allowed me to sort of see me. Not that I'm saying I'm the Joker, but just, just it's like if, if somebody went through something and they see a film that's very similar to that, they feel not so alone. I was hanging out with Alex last night and we were talking about this and I was talking about my road, the, the things that I went through and, and the things that I went through in particular 10 years ago. And... For the first time ever in front of Alex, I teared up because I, I you know, and I barely ever tear up. I, I keep my emotions very locked up. But I said, I wish I could go back and just look at me and hug me and say, it's okay. You don't need to do this. You, you, you're, it's going to be okay. You're, you're fine. There were a lot of times in, in those times that, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not tearing up, by the way. Don't think I'm tearing up. But, but uh, you know, there were a lot, I can't say there were a lot of times that I needed a friend because I had friends. If I didn't have friends, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now. I would be somewhere else. I would be in Twin Towers Correctional Facility, honestly, if I didn't have my friends and my family. And every month, I got to go to a shrink to get my pills, and I call them freedom pills. You know why? Because they keep me out of jail. They give me freedom. I take them. I could be going through the craziest shit, but at the end of the day, if I pop my little pill, I go to sleep, the day restarts the next day, and I'm good. And that's my thing, and that's how it's always going to be. And I'm always going to see my shrink every month. I'm always going to have some form of therapy because in this fucking day and age, you got to keep your head straight. Everybody, everybody. And sometimes you got to go crazy just to stay a little sane. And I had to go through all of those things 10 years ago just so I can handle my life right now. Right now, my life, the pace of it is heating up. It's a different game from when I was 10 years ago. I'm not 
as hungry as I was because I mean I'm always going to be hungry but I, I've made my film I'm Nas Red I'm here if anybody wants to do business with me cool let's do business if not that's fine but I'm here now I'm not some wannabe and I can't ignore what I've been through and I can't allow myself to not look at people that suffer in that way with some level of compassion and that's the thing. I mean, that's the problem with, I don't even, I, I might sound like the Joker or something, but people don't look at, most people look at that and, and you're not even human. Like you're not, you're somebody that's not capable of keeping their shit together and you're not even an adult. You're treated like you're retarded. And, and, uh, and I apologize for saying that, but it's true. Um, I love the movie because it saw me. There are people in my life that I know, that I love, that I love more than anything. There are people in my life, and I know if you're listening to this, you know who you are, uh, uh, that I would give a kidney to if they needed it. And if, if, and if I only had one kidney, I'd die for these people. And I know becoming Mr. Red at that time hurt them, but I had to do it. It was beyond me. It was beyond my control. It was, it, I, w I was not driving. I don't know why I dyed my hair. I don't know, but it all happened. And I, I went to jail and I became Nas Red and I came out. And the thing that always tethered me and the thing that prevented me from being an Arthur Fleck or a James Holmes or an any crazy fucking person that goes and kills people is the fact that my f dream of filmmaking always tethered me to reality, to some sort of reality. No matter how far out I went, I was always somewhat tethered to the ground because of my dream of filmmaking. And the fact of the matter is, most people don't have that. And maybe that's part of my luck, but I can't feel bad about it. It's, it's a part of my luck. I'm, I'm, I'm happy I've had that. But if you don't have that, I don't know what the fuck you're going to do. You better pray you have good friends and family if, you're gonna, if your head's going to pop off. Because I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have that dream. And, um, yeah, that's it. There's a police siren going by. I think someone's dead. Sorry. Some, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know if you can hear that. But, um, yeah, I guess those are my thoughts. Bing, bang, boom, Joker. I loved it. It was great. It was, but it, it does open up this, this, this conversation. And, um, if you have anybody in your life that's going through some mental shit, be there for them. But if it's too much, I mean, I understand. That's life. Uh, but, I mean, fuck. Whoa, somebody's really dead. Can you hear that? Um, there was one last thing I wanted to say, but I guess maybe that's it. You know? I mean, yeah, like, I, I usually... I mean, look. After Jared Leto's Joker, I mean, come on. I'm just kidding. Jared Leto's great. Whatever. He, I don't know him. But anyway, what I'm saying is... I loved it. Oh, I, it's been a while since I've given an ice cream cone rating on this podcast, so I'll give it uh, Ice Cream Sunday. Great film. Go watch it. My parents went and saw it, and they, they loved it too. And um, yeah, so I'm Mr. Red. If this was your first time listening, hi. 
Give me a kiss. Let me kiss your ear. Um, uh, well, anyway, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on blah, blah, blah. I don't feel like giving all the, the, the uh, sign-offs and all the handles. What was it? What was my handle? Uh, email me at Nasred pod, uh, at Nasred at wild7studios.com. Follow April. I forget what her handle was. Uh, follow uh, Ashley. Follow the Nightshade Collective on... Uh, Instagram and Twitter and follow Wild 7. Follow everything that we do. If you have a local film festival, request Debbie and the Devil at your local film festival and uh, buy the Debbie and the Devil comic book. Uh, Debbie and the Devil, Debbie and the Devil. Tell all your friends about Debbie and the Devil, the greatest horror comedy ever made, made by Mr. Red. I am Mr. Red. And guess what? I love you. And listen, if you, at this point in time, listen to me, I'm not talking directly to you, but maybe I am. But listen, if you are experiencing some dark thoughts of hurting yourself or hurting someone else, don't and talk to someone because some, we all just need to talk. That's the thing. I think we just need to talk. And um, if people have a problem with what you say, that's their problem. I will leave you with this. Um, a friend of mine suggested that I go talk to some film schools after um, after Debbie and the Devil is finished because you know a lot of filmmakers do that even if they make a really sucky movie they go and talk to film schools to talk to film students and, and, and you know tell them what they've learned and stuff and I would love to do that but the fact of the matter is because of my arrest history that may, you know, make some students uncomfortable or they may feel like it's not because the college is supposed to be a safe space and blah, 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 blah. And that's fine. Um, I'm just, I just want it to be known that I'm always willing to have the conversation. Nothing that I have ever gone through is something that I'm not willing to talk about and open up for everybody to dissect. I, I, it's just the way that I am. I'm an artist. I've always wanted to kind of be honest. And if I'm not being honest, I'm just joking, you know. But, you know, come the time, I mean, if there's some sort of controversy like, oh, you know, <laughs> we, we don't want this dangerous man talking at our school, that's fine. But I'm willing to have the conversation with anybody about any of this stuff. I'm not shy. I really think I went through all that stuff so I can have the conversation. So that if somebody's feeling a certain way, they can look to this and say, hey, that guy feels me, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to feel every crazy person. I have enough problems handling my own craziness. <sighs> you know? Listen, I'll leave you with this. One last thing. One last thing. Okay? Okay, okay. Because I'm just riffing here. It's not really a structured podcast today. I'm just sort of riffing on Joker. I love you. That's it. I love you. Have a good one. Okay? Have a good one. Enjoy. Smile. Okay? That's it. Life is for enjoying. It's all a big joke. It's all funny. Uh, life is, you know, tragedy is, or comedy is just tragedy plus time. And that's how I choose to view life. And that's it. And as, you know, I, I, I'll leave you this one, 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 one last thing. 
that dream of disappearing of disappearing into a Nintendo Switch and movies and books and stuff I really want to do it but I, I just I, I'm, I'm just venting right now I really want to do it I want to make Debbie and the Devil and just kind of disappear but the fact of the matter I'm just so compulsively fucking creative I can't do it okay I'm, I'm doomed so if you hate my stuff prepare to hate it forever because I'm always going to be productive I'm a producer I, I produce I create you know um there are some people that I know that, that call themselves producers or they're kind of like wannabe producers. It's a strong word for them. Or it's, you know, people that I used to know. It's like, eh, yeah, you're a wannabe. Okay, well, anyway, uh, that's it. I'm done. There, I put out my thoughts. That's Mr. Red's thoughts. That's it. April should be here any minute along with the rest of the team. We're going to cut the trailer and we're going to drop the trailer. Stay tuned for the Debbie and the Devil trailer. Request Debbie and the Devil at your local film festival or anything. Just talk about Debbie and the Devil constantly. That's all I want you to do. Don't talk about anything else. Don't talk about Trump. Trump is an idiot. He's like going to go to jail or something. I don't know what the fuck is up with that guy. Talk about Debbie and the Devil. Talk about Mr. Red. Talk about me. I love you. Okay? All right. Adieu. My love, mi amor. <laughs>